Hello, my name is David Shire, and this is how it's going so far. The number one pop uh, and reality TV show podcast. That's right, I said pop and reality TV show podcast. We are going to, I think, permanently change the format uh, to what this show is going to be. Uh, I realize now that um, I do kind of need to niche the show, and I do want to talk about specific things and uh, really go in-depth on specific things. So it's going to be more of a general overview. So this podcast, what's going to be going forward it's going to be more of a general overview of reality TV shows and things that I'm watching in the reality TV sphere, such as Survivor, Big Brother, Big Brother Canada in some instances. And it's going to be a, a recap of those, talk about a little bit about social strategy. And also it's going to be a more concise like, OK, we're going to talk about different like TV properties, how it kind of relate, all, all these things, how they kind of relate. Uh, this episode, we're actually going to be talking about a video game that I just recently completed uh, and and we'll recommend uh, that others would complete. And so with that being said, let's go ahead and let's just jump right into this episode. First off, we're going to talk about Survivor. I know, Survivor again. Third time it's mentioned in the podcast and probably will be mentioned in uh, a lot more podcasts going forward uh, with the new format changes. But anyway, uh, Survivor is back and it's better than ever. It's on, uh, it's on even in its 42nd season. And what Survivor's been criticized with a lot recently is uh, just overly abundance of twists and turns. And while I do feel like Survivor 41 uh, definitely suffered from that and suffered from like the cast not being quite as fun. Survivor 42 is really uh, succeeding where 41 kind of lacked, where they brought back a lot of the major twists and they're kind of just seeing how it's going to play out with a different cast. Uh, this cast is definitely a lot funnier. They are not, they're like a bunch of nerdier people who are really just there to play the game. And uh, usually like on a Survivor season, you have at least one strong person per tribe, where in this, in this Survivor season, they basically gave one tribe the strongest human being that we've ever seen in Jonathan. And then, and then the other tribes are just kind of there to fend for themselves and come up with bold strategies to see if they can survive the, uh, the challenges. And so... What I'm loving so far about the season uh, is just like uh, just watching the contestants, seeing kind of these more neurotic players uh, play, and it's been very fun uh, to watch so far. Now, in recapping uh, the episode, uh, let's go ahead and let's just talk about kind of the major plot points that happened. Uh, so uh, the episode uh, Who Went to Tribal was the Green Tribe. Uh, I forget the names. I think they're the Vati Tribe. I can't remember. I know. I, I think it's definitely the Vati Tribe. Anyway. Uh, they end up going to tribal council and we see a lot of them throughout this episode. It seems that, you know, Survivor does this classic thing where whoever goes to tribal, that's the, that's the tribe you're going to see the most of. And so the Vati tribe, um, right away, you can kind of see that there's a little bit of trouble. Uh, one of the main characters <laughs> that's in the center of everything is uh, this guy, Daniel, who seems like a really sweet guy. I don't want to uh, bash on him too much, but he did have a pretty embarrassing episode uh, in, in, this, uh, in this turnaround. And so what ends up happening is Daniel uh, takes uh, Mike's hidden immunity idol, which is uh, also part of this beware advantage tw twist where uh, Mike's idol, uh, as long as it's not active, um, Mike is not allowed to vote. And the only way to activate the idol is to say a hidden phrase uh, at an immunity challenge uh, and have the other three tribes also say uh, a phrase, each activating their idols by 
saying that phrase. So there's three idols this season. It's what we did in last year and season four, or that last year, last season in Survivor 41. And uh, and uh, Daniel decided that being a lawyer, he wanted to read the fine print, make sure that everything that he thinks about the idol is what he thinks it is. So he takes the idol from Mike. Uh, he starts reading the instructions and then, oops, oops, <laughs> Daniel almost loses the idol, which would have been a survivor first. And it's definitely, uh, it was definitely one of these like really fun uh, moments that we didn't really get a lot of in season 41. And it's definitely something I appreciate so far in this season. And it would have been really funny to see what would happen if Daniel didn't find the idol. I think the producers would have just let it play out and we would <laughs> it would have been a survivor first of a <laughs> immunity idol being accidentally rehidden. It would have been really funny if somebody later on found that hidden immunity idol. Like, I don't know what the producers would do in that situation, but uh, it was it was very it was like this very light, charming moment, but also shows kind of foreshadows that Daniel's going to be in the middle of a lot of these sticky situations in the coming episode. Um, skipping ahead to uh, skipping ahead to the immunity challenge. Uh, we see that uh, the immunity challenge was uh, one of these classic challenges where uh, survivors go out. Uh, they take a, um, they untie a ladder from underneath the water. They then take the ladder, go to the shore, and then in the water, they place the ladder and then climb up to get a key. They then take the ladder to the shore. They climb up one more time to get another key, and then they solve a puzzle. You know, classic survivor, um, classic survivor uh, shenanigans, right? However, it seemed like the the will of God was not with the survivors this day, and uh, the shore and the ocean was very rumb- rambunctious. Uh, it was very. It was like a very heavy tide was setting in. And so the only tribe that was able to complete the challenge was actually the Orange Tribe with, again, the help of uh, Jonathan, who is literally just a tree in this challenge. Like he, he, his performance in this challenge was so insane where the water was throwing his uh, tribe mates like Mary Ann, like Omar, just around, around like crazy. Jonathan would literally just stand in the water and be like, take my hand. And then <laughs> he would just take, take, he would just, he was literally carrying his tribe members on his shoulders. He took the ladder and he like placed it into the water himself with like the currents going all wild. And they were, and he was basically able to hold it while somebody else was able to climb it. And then he was able to drag his team to the shore. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, get the get uh, basically like he's the reason why they won that challenge and it was super fun and in the survivor first uh, Jeff ended up calling the challenge um, because the other two tribes were just stuck in the water and it was it was very painfully clear that they were never going to finish that portion of the challenge that day and I think that that combined with the um, the kind of tight time frame they had because they still had a lot to do they had to do the ship wheel island twist they had to do tribal council and so I think with that kind of tight deadline pressure and the fact that there was many shots where it looked like if they didn't get the survivors out of the water that they were going to drown, uh, Jeff ends up calling the challenge. He ends up moving them up to the beach portion and then just kind of lets them play it out from there, which I thought was the right move. Like, I think some people might be like, oh, that's kind of weak. But like, it looked like they were out there for uh, quite some time. I was listening to Rob has a podcast and they were saying uh, Jenny uh, did an exit interview where they said that they were um, they were out there for at least an hour, and I can I can't even imagine being out th- like in like a 
like a crazy ocean uh, for like let alone 30 minutes, but for like an hour while also trying to complete a task to uh, to uh, win a million dollars. It just would have been super crazy. And so and so I understand the decision and I understand what was going on there. So anyway, Orange Tribe wins the challenge outright. They decide that they want to get a fishing kit rather than get the uh, the food and vegetables that are provided for them. Now, I don't know if I actually like this decision now that I'm thinking about it, because um, like if you're going to get like food, like and it's like guaranteed food, just take the food, you know, like who knows what the fish situation is like, like, and who knows if somebody is going to be good on it. Now that tribe does have Jonathan. And so uh, if you're think if they're thinking that Jonathan can catch them a couple good fish, then I could see where it's coming from. But ultimately, I always feel that if you could just take the food, just take the food, you know, like that's kind of my thoughts on it. But they also get the choice of deciding who gets to go to uh, Shipwheel Island. And so and so they end up choosing uh, somebody from the Green Tribe. Her name is Chanel. They choose her, and uh, and they also choose Omar to uh, go with her, just so to kind of keep an eye on things, I'm assuming, is what the thought process is there. And so they go up to Shipwheel Island. Uh, they go up, and they, uh, Chanel and Omar... Uh, have this conversation where Chanel is like very much like, look, I'm going to tribal council tonight. Um, it would be really cool if we can both get a uh, an advantage, but like I really need to protect my boat. And Omar's like, I hear you loud and clear. Like this could be a really cool friendship going forward. So I'm really hopeful that we can work together on this. And so they get to the choice and the choice, if you don't know on Chipwheel Island, is that you can either risk your vote and potentially win an extra vote as an advantage. Uh, or you can protect your vote, which is just to keep your vote and not go for the advantage. And the problem is, is that if both players, both players risk their votes, that they would end up losing their vote at the next tribal council. So Omar goes in and he's like, well, Chanel, uh, you told me that you want to protect your vote. Like you said that this is like, like you see almost rationale. It's like, she said that like, she needs to protect her vote. She needs it for this next tribal council. She's going to travel tonight. So you know what? I'm going to risk my vote. I'm pretty sure 100% of the time this is going to work. And then Chanel is like, well, wait a minute. Omar said that he would help me. And you know, would it be even really playing survivor? If I don't risk my vote in this moment. And so <laughs> despite the fact that Chanel already has an alliance member in Mike that doesn't have a vote, decides to risk her vote for this tribal council, further losing control of the game. Now, it, there's been a lot of there. I've heard so many podcasts, so many different takes on this. But at the end of the day, I think um, I think this is a very interesting change in the game of Survivor and something that um that um let's see i think his name's david bloomberg uh who wrote the 10 laws of survivor said uh in a recent podcast is that like survivor and the producers they're not on your side right like survivor itself is a tv show and what it wants to do is it wants to ruin you it wants to create good tv moments and if a good TV moment is watching you completely destroy your own game. Uh, Survivor doesn't care. It will it will encourage you. And so, <laughs> and so in order to play a better game now in Survivor, you kind of have to not make as many big moves. It's almost like it's almost like reverting back to what it originally was in um, in the early seasons of Survivor, where the winners ended up like building a really strong alliance. They end up. They end up picking off the weaker side and then they just end up winning the game. And so, 
And we see this, we saw this last season a lot with Erica, where her game wasn't very much so, um, it wasn't very bolsterous. It wasn't like very uh, risky in terms of like how you particularly see it. I mean, some people have argued that her breaking the hourglass and uh, reversing time, as it will, uh, big air quotes in that, uh, in Survivor is, um, is considered like you know the like a big risk on Erica's part, but Erica pretty much knew that she was on the bottom of the tribe, so it's kind of interesting. That was like the only that's like the only asterisk I can see on Erica's game. But overall, she played a really smart game. She played a very defensive game, and maybe that's the more optimal way to play Survivor because we see in this in this tribal council, all of a sudden it's a lot riskier. It's a and Chanel knows it like almost right away. She comes back to the beach and she looks like she is in physical pain because she realizes, oh crap, I probably don't have a vote for this tribal council, which means on this tribe of six, only four people are going to be voting because Mike and Chanel's vote do not count. And uh, it's between Hi, Lydia, Daniel, and Jenny. And, um, Unfortunately, uh, Hi and Lydia look like they are going to vote together. But Janelle does have this idea. And the idea is to do the split vote. Uh, split votes being that in case there's a chance of a hidden immunity idol that you're able to split your vote off and uh, get and get rid of, uh, you know, get rid of somebody. And so the split vote idea is really interesting because what would have happened is that uh, Hi would have voted for Mike. Uh, Lydia would have voted for Jenny. And then Jenny and Daniel would have voted for Lydia causing the vote to be a 2-1-1 vote. And it would have been very a very smart play, except that it was played pretty badly. Chanel was already giving off some weird vibes uh, to High, and also being the first uh, tribal council, uh, you could definitely see that, like, when it's the first tribal council, everybody's paranoia uh, radar is already super high. And so High was probably already feeling that. And I love High in this episode. He's so freaking good in this episode. Um, he's just, he's just flabbergasted. Like, he's like, um, Chanel is acting super weird. She doesn't usually act like this. Um, I think they're up to something and I don't know what it is. And they told us to, uh, that boys are voting for Mike girls are voting for Lydia and I really don't understand why we need to do it that way. And so, and so they kind of continue on and, uh, eventually, uh, they end up going to tribal council and Daniel's already very nervous. And my favorite thing that happens in this episode, or one of my favorite things that happens in this episode is that Jeff, uh, asks Daniel a question. He asks, uh, Daniel's already saying that he's like neurotic and that the reason why he'll lose survivor is that he feels that he's like overly paranoid and he loses his calm and he's like very nervous. And then Jeff asks a very Jeff question where he asks Daniel, well, who helps calm you down? Like, who helps calm you down? And this is a great example of Survivor not being on your side. Like, Jeff's not on your side, right? Jeff wants to create good television. And so Daniel here in this moment, he accidentally gives Jeff good television where he says, oh, the people who calm me down uh, is Chanel, um, Mike, Jenny, um, and my mom. My mom calms me down, right? <laughs> so there's two people missing from that story there, Daniel. There's Hi and Lydia, the two people you need to vote with or supposedly you need to vote with. And this combined with um, there's a shot later on the episode where Lydia or uh, where Chanel uh, turns to Daniel and says, Lydia, like she mouths Lydia. Um, 
where I'm not sure if that was actually accurate or that was like editing, uh, but it just it just seemed like it was all crumbling before uh, before High's eyes. And so High goes into the voting voting confessional, uh, knowing that the plan originally was for him to vote for Mike, but instead he ends up switching his vote to Jenny. And so when uh, when Jeff comes back out to read the votes, it's uh, Jenny, ha, uh, Jenny Lydia. Jenny Lydia. And it's a two-two tie. Hi <laughs> uh, is just making some of the greatest facial expressions ever. They go to do the revote. Uh, Jenny and Lydia uh, can uh, no longer vote. It's only between pe- the rest of the tribe. Uh, Mike goes up, doesn't do anything. Chanel goes up, doesn't do anything, which I always find hilarious. Uh, and then and then Hi and Daniel cast their votes and neither one of them switch. And so Jeff tells them, hey, like, this is this is it. You know, this is it. Like, if if you two cannot come to agreement on who you're going to be voted out, then um, then uh, you the four of you are going to rocks. And what rocks is, is that uh, Jenny and um, Lydia would have been completely immune. And then the four remaining tribe members, which would be Mike, Chanel, Daniel and Hi are then going to rocks and uh and if you draw a purple rock uh you're out if you draw one of the black rocks you're safe and so and so it is just right away daniel cracks he just says look i'm not going i'm not going to i'm, I'm not going to rocks like uh, this was all chanel's idea uh she said that we wanted to either vote for lydia or mike and i and she told me or or jenny and she told me that we're we're going to uh, we're going to vote for Jenny, but is that really what you want, Chanel? And Chanel's like, um, excuse me. No, that's not how that conversation went, uh, Daniel. What are you talking about? And Daniel's like, look, I just, I really didn't know what the vote was going. And then Chanel was like, um, excuse me, Daniel, but you're like a super fan of this show. Like, you're telling me out of all the tribe mates, you didn't know what was going on. And Mike kind of interrupts and he like asks high, like point blank, like, cause he's like a firefighter, you know, he's very much a straight, like direct guy. He asks high, he's like, hi, is there any way that you'll ever consider switching your vote? And high says, no, absolutely not. And this is great from High. Like, Ty has a really two great moments in the, this tribal council. It was this, and it was also when Jeff came back out and reread the votes. Uh, when he only read the two votes, High just like, he looked like, he looked like the meme where, like, it was the woman calculating, like, all the different possibilities, where he's just like, what? Where are the other votes, Jeff? And uh, the fact that Jeff had to kind of out <laughs> Mike and Chanel in this moment was also a survivor first and also very funny. And what I'm loving about this season. <laughs> so, anyway, so it's interesting. So since Daniel and High were the only two people to vote, the only votes, the only people's opinion that really matters is those two and Mike and Chanel only have like only have a say in what they can happen they can influence them in any way but ultimately the decisions between High and Daniel and by and High by staying strong I feel really wins wins the argument right because if you're gonna go if you're gonna like nobody ever wants to go to rocks and survivor because it is completely unfair like to the people voting like getting vote like you're supposed to get voted out a survivor and going home because you got unlucky and drew a rock is not something that nobody wants to do but but if there's a possibility that you know that you're going to go to rocks the one thing you have to do is make sure that you stand strong in your beliefs saying that you are willing to do it if push comes to shove and hide did it. <laughs> Mike asked him the question. I said yes. Daniel, on the other hand, took a way different approach and for really interesting reasons. Daniel said that he didn't want to go to rocks. And 
right away he got on top of it and he said, look, I'm not like I'm not going to rocks. And he immediately tries to throw Chanel under the bus. Now, Daniel and Chanel are the two like closest a lot like are or were <laughs> really close alliance members up until this point. But I think Daniel was kind of looking for a scapegoat and was kind of hoping that Chanel would understand in that moment and then just take the heat and then talk to her maybe after the tribal council. But Chanel was not having it, and rightfully so, and throws Daniel also completely under the bus. And with this, we just get what I love in Survivor. It's just people interacting and playing a game for a million dollars. And coming up like you take all the advantages you take all like all these things like who do you like it's just this social politics like high needs to keep lydia in the game because if lydia goes high's going next like clearly like the tribe's gonna vote him out so he has no choice whereas daniel decides that he's going to completely burn every bridge that he has left in the game and instead and it's just like this really interesting dichotomy where you watch High like slowly rise and Daniel fall in this one tribal council. And it was a beautiful moment to watch in this show and definitely one that uh, that I'll be very fond of uh, of this season. And so what's going to happen going forward? Well, there's a lot of things going on right now. Like Omar also lost his vote and his tribe is only at four people. Um, I forget who I forget the fourth one. Like it's Omar, Jonathan. Mary Ann and one other person who I can't remember, but it's kind of interesting because like uh, Omar and Mary Ann uh, also don't have votes because Mary Ann found the hidden immunity idol this episode, which means that she doesn't have a vote until it's activated. And Omar lost his vote on Shipwheel Island, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens if they go to tribal council because then you can run into this situation again where the two of them only have uh, there's only two votes on the tribe, and it could be a deadlock again with a two-two tie, which would be insane to watch. Uh, and then we also we also haven't seen a lot of the blue tribe. Not a lot's known about what's going on. We do know that Tori will probably find uh, the the hidden immunity aisle probably in the next episode or, or two, because we did see that in like a season preview, which was dumb of Survivor to show, but whatever. They showed they showed Tori finding that uh, that advantage and reading the note, and so we know that she's eventually going to find it. But it'll be interesting to see what will happen once that fully develops. Um, yeah, I've talked about Survivor for like 20 minutes. I could talk about Survivor all day, but it was a great episode. If you're not hopping on to the Survivor train, I highly recommend it. It's a fun trade to be on. It's a great ride. Uh, there's a lot of snacks and they don't get all bought up by a boy who has just recently found out that he has a million dollars, who also has a lightning scar. Uh, not relevant to anything, obviously. I'm not making a reference to anything. I'm just saying like it just like, you know, you go to a Hogwarts Express one time and the next thing you know, it's just like gosh anyway <laughs> um as far as other reality tv show news uh the bachelor recently uh wrapped up in uh it's train wreck of a season with uh clayton uh it was one of these seasons where i feel like the bachelor hasn't been good like the main show the bachelor hasn't been good for the last couple seasons and a lot of it has to do with like the cast and the lead not really knowing what they're doing um, it seems that The Bachelor has kind of become this kind of farce of itself, but every once in a while, it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, I have only kept up with the season by watching a bunch of uh, Bachelor fan takes. Uh, if that's like the I, that is the pro way to watch The Bachelor, right? Like uh, it's just like these ten minute recap videos. The guy who does them is super hilarious, and I thought that really stood out to me is the last uh, the last couple episodes where Clayton 
uh, is very much finicking between the three girls, uh, Gabby, Rachel, and the other one whose name I can't remember because the only thing I can think about is Gabby as the queen, basically telling telling Clayton that he is an idiot, that he that he very much so. Um, she uses way more eloquent eloquent words than I do in this moment, but very much so like laying out that Clayton is like not a bad person, but he's like making all these dumb decisions because he doesn't want to look like an idiot. Like Clayton uh, basically breaks like <laughs> Clayton basically breaks it to the women that he slept with all three of them during the fantasies during the fantasy suites. Or, or he slept with two of them and that he told the other one that he was in love with them and he told all three of them that he was in love with them and so all of them so Gabby and Rachel are breaking down crying uh, then Clayton they both want to leave but then Clayton is the one who convinces them to stay and then a day later Clayton decides that he doesn't actually want Gabby or Rachel to stay he wants to go after the third option and this guy Wow, like worst, like honestly, I, I, like I started watching The Bachelor during Peter Weber's season, and after watching Peter Weber, like just completely fumble the ball, like Charlie Brown, uh, with oil painted, like with oil grease on his hands, uh, watching Clayton do somehow worse by lighting the oil on fire with his hands is just, it was just something to behold. And Gabby, like very eloquently, puts it like, "Look, you, you like you gave us the option to leave, but you convinced us to stay." And now, and now you're, you're now you're telling us to leave, and the only reason you're okay with it now is because it's your decision. And it really, it really was kind of messed up that Clayton would do that. And she really lays it out. There's some great clips on YouTube. I highly recommend uh, watch seeking them out. Um, what's so funny about the uh, Bachelor finale specifically is they always have a cam of uh, different audience reaction shots, and I think it does kind of add to the uh, to the show because you just see like uh, Gabby like spitting some hard facts to Clayton, and then all of a sudden you just watch like people in the audience being like, mm, "Go girl!" <laughs> and it's just so good. It's so beautiful. Um, oh, man. Just so great. Um, other other than that, other things going on in reality TV news. Uh, Big Brother Canada is still so good. Like, big, um, I've been keeping up with this season, and uh, it's just been such a great, fun train wreck season. And I think that ultimately Big Brother is at its best when it is just messy players playing as hard as they can, and my goodness, what a what a great what a great messy cast that they put in the Big Brother Canada house. Uh, recently, uh, most recently, uh, Kyle Moore ended up going home. If you don't know the story of Kyle Moore, um, basically he was a contestant uh, on Big Brother Canada Nine. Uh, he, there was an, he was the name of a contestant on Big Brother Canada Nine, and the internet thought they found him. They found this guy on Twitter. His name was Kyle Moore. He was a podcaster. Everybody was like, oh, this guy's so cool. He's so nice. And then it turned out that that wasn't the real Kyle Moore. Uh, it turned out that the uh, the Kyle Moore, they had a different Kyle Moore on the cast for Big Brother Canada 9. And so for Big Brother Canada 10, kind of as like a little wink to the audience, uh, they decided to cast this Kyle Moore. And this Kyle Moore, Moore seemed to have a lot of promise. He was playing a really good game uh, going into the first couple of weeks. And then he does this really interesting thing where he wins HOH and then completely loses his mind and decides to betray every single person that he was in an alliance with, decides to make really wacky decisions. Uh, his alliance member, Marty, convinces him to put up this guy, Josh. And then Marty decides later on that, you know what? Screw Kyle. Like, I know it was my idea to put up Josh on the block, but I'm not even going to vote for Josh because I hate Kyle so much. <laughs> 
much. And Kyle's HOH reign ends in miserable disaster. Uh, then the only person that is still on Kyle's so- side is a man named Gino, who is like literally a brick house in the sense that he is very big, very strong, and very empty in the head. <laughs> and so Gino, Gino, being Kyle's only friend, uh, decides to nominate some two pawns that people that doesn't really matter uh, to his game. And and then the house just kind of slowly convinces him, like, hey, like why don't you just why don't you just do the house a solid? You know, like we're all kind of mad at you right now, Gino, like we are like this is specifically I'm trying to channel my inner summer, you know, because who was like the main culprit of getting getting this move off the ground. But like we're all mad at you right now, Gino. But you know what? Like, you know, it'd be really cool and it would really get you in everybody's good graces. Why don't you just like put up your best friend in the house? And so Gino's like like mulling it over. And then Helena comes up to him and she's like, you know. Like, I don't think, I think if you really want to get on people's good graces, I mean, I think you just gotta, like, I think you just gotta put up your best friend Kyle up on the block. I think that's, like, the ultimate move. And so Gino is like, you know what? Yeah, the power of veto got won by Marty, who is, like, my main target. So I guess I'll just put up Kyle on the block. And I'm sorry, Kyle, but, like, I gotta do this. And so Kyle, just like he did the previous week, getting, or like he was trying to do, getting his ally uh, removed from the house, uh, the previous week, uh, ends up getting removed by an ally of his in the house. And it was br- really brutal. It was kind of sad. I hope that Kyle takes it okay, ultimately. Like, I don't wish any ill harm to these people. And I love, I love Kyle more for, <laughs> for everything that he gave us this season. And, uh, I just love, I love that he was like a total tyrannical lunatic. And I love that he gets betrayed, like, in this way. It was very fun to watch. And then, uh, the person that ends up winning, winning, uh, this week was Jess. Um, and they end up, and they are kind of like the, the person who's been the lone person on the totem pole. And so it was very fun seeing them, uh, compete and win the competition. And then everybody else, again, another week of just everybody scrambling and not really knowing what to do. It's great. I love it. And uh, it's what Big Brother is all about. Um, as far as other things are concerned, uh, a game I played recently uh, that I... The reason why I haven't, like, created the podcast was because I was just so busy, like, playing this video game. But it's a game I would highly recommend. It was called The Forgotten City. It's currently on Xbox Game Pass and on Steam. Uh, if it's on Game Pass, you get it for free. So that's why I mentioned that first. But uh, honestly, if you can buy the game, I would highly recommend doing that as well because uh, it is a really great game. The whole premise of the game is that you play as a person or a guy, like you give yourself your own name, where you end up uh, meeting, uh, you end up getting washed ashore uh, and meeting this uh, woman named Karen. She ends up telling you that this guy Al Moore ended up go- ended up going into these ancient temple in this an- ancient temple you go into the ancient temple and you walk into a portal and the portal transports you back to the city when it was um g- back to the city when it was in this uh in this uh, golden age of Rome and you start noticing that there's like a bunch of these uh, golden statues that are super creepy and uh, there's even this cool mechanic that kind of reminds me of BioShock where if you look away from one of the statues, like if you're standing next to one, like they'll have like a set pose. But then if you look away and look back, the statue will actually turn its head to you. And it's super creepy. <laughs> it's so unsettling, but I love it so much. And uh, 
you come to find that uh, there's like 22 residents in the in this uh, town, and uh, the main leader, his name is Magistrate Sentius, uh, tells you that the city lives by only one rule, the golden rule. And if anybody ever breaks this golden rule, then the entire city is going to be turned into gold. And that he knows a secret prayer uh, that he gives to uh, this temple that opens a portal that creates this time loop. And he says, the only reason why you're here is that I open this time loop so that you can come back in time. And that uh, it's implied that like with, if you're able to stop and figure out who, who doesn't break the golden rule by not sinning uh, that you're able to close the gap and then transport yourself back forward in time. And I love this game so much because the dialogue is so well-written. It's played like a very uh, simple RPG. A lot of the game is really just talking and learning more about these people. And what really makes the game work is that there's a bunch of different side quests and things that you have to do in the game. Uh, some examples, I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, is saving the life of a woman who's been poisoned. Uh, also also saving... Um, uh, like helping out, like saving this woman from being uh, killed by this assassin um, and all these other things to try to stop people from sinning in this world. And in order to do this, you kind of have to bend the rules yourself a little bit, but they're all interconnected, right? You'll start one quest and then you'll find answers to another quest. And uh, Game Maker's Toolkit made a really good video about it. I would highly recommend playing the game first before going into Game Maker's Toolkit's uh, YouTube channel and finding it up that Honestly, like if you want to watch Game Maker's Toolkit about other stuff too, like he's he makes really good uh, good videos, and it's something I it's a channel I highly recommend. But he makes this good video talking about the side quests and how you learn a little bit of information through each side quest. Even like some of the things that you wouldn't think have like big big overall arcing story implications do have really big story arcing implications, and I'm really excited to see this game kind of grow. Um, to see like different players play it, and uh, I hopefully uh, you'll get like this really rewarding experience from it, uh, as I did, because I thought that the um, I was playing it last night. I stayed up to like one a.m., which is again <laughs> the reason why I didn't record this podcast um, last night, and I'm uh, putting this podcast out later today. Uh, but it was just really satisfying. I needed to know the ending, and it was everything that I hoped for and more. It was just so it was so so good, and uh, it's definitely something I recommend. Um, but anyway, um, the other things that I've done, I watched, uh, I watched Pixar's Turning Red recently. Uh, that was a really good movie. Like it, it reminded me a little bit of Brave and I was thinking about doing a comparison video for that, but I think I'm going to hold off on that idea until I can maybe get a co-host to talk about certain things about, um, about like maybe the feminist movement in the last couple of years. Um, but anyway, I like, I wanted to talk about, um, specifically what I liked about so much about the, about the, uh, Turning Red was it was more about female puberty and it like really delved deep into female pu- and with like like female puberty that I was really expecting and it felt like a movie that wasn't necessarily made for me but it just had such fun clear direction that I really ended up enjoying it a lot and there's been a lot of controversy because you know like it's this huge double standard where like you can talk about male puberty and just be like oh haha hilarious but like as soon as you start talking about uh, female puberty it's all of a sudden it's like oh it's got to be like a rated r movie you know like nobody could talk about that and so parents were upset that they even mentioned uh things like periods in the movie and so there's this huge uproar about that but ultimately i think that the movie kind of needed that like it it really it really delved in very deeply into the subjects that, and it just made it feel real. Like all the characters felt real, like fully realized. They felt like they're 
you know, like like I said, I love characters with flaws, and uh, um, definitely a lot of these characters did have flaws that I could relate to, and it just made it just gave the movie more of a um, a style and more of a direction, and I felt that uh, it was really really good. So that would be kind of my video game recommendation and my uh, movie recommendation for the week. Um, as far as like other things going on in my life, I recently bought a new car. So, uh, it's been kind of, it's been really good. Like my last car was this, uh, 2007 Dodge Caliber. It had 150,000 miles on it. It had zero suspension because I think I broke the casing where like the suspension liquid was supposed to be in. I'm not really sure how cars work. I know that they get me from one place to another, but basically anytime that I would hit a bump, I would be like, it would be like it was, I was in like a P Diddy video where like my car would just go bouncing up into the air. And it was really cool when I was like listening to hardcore rap and I needed to match the bass. But as far as like trips anywhere in, in Washington, it was so terrible because our roads are so terrible and there's so many bumps and I didn't even realize how many bumps there were. And so we ended up, uh, I ended up trading it in. Uh, I ended up getting like, I got, I was hoping to get $500 for it. And I ended up getting $700 back for it, which was like 200 more than I was expecting. It was so good. And, um, and yeah, so ultimately, uh, what I, what I kind of experienced with that, this whole situation is that, you know, like I got a new Dodge Dart. It's been really great, though. I'm learning more about, um, cause I don't have any credit, right? And so it's kind of weird. Like I had to find, I have to finance the car for a year to kind of get credit onto, uh, onto my record and learning about credit and learning about like the evil manipulative ways uh, of credit has been a really fun, fun in very big air quotes, uh, very big air quotes. It's been a fun experience and it's, uh, something, it's something that's kind of stressing me out, but it also is making me feel like an adult. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It maybe it's like it, it's like pain, right? It's like the pain of being an adult, but the excitement of like being a real adult too. So Got a new car. It's mine. It's beautiful. Her name is Luna. It's like this Dodge Dart sedan. Gets good gas mileage. Not a very big tank, though. We'll maybe fix it in the future. I don't know. Maybe I'll make some moderate, some mods to it. But it's a very great car. I'm loving it so far. And it's been, it's been good. Um, yeah. And other than that, uh, life's going pretty good right now. Like, job's been kind of calmer uh, the last couple of weeks, which has been really nice. And so hopefully it will stay that way. And I'm just feeling like I'm in a lot better place right now. Like good enough so that I can record an episode uh, on this Tuesday night and not be super worried about what people will think about it because I'm now realizing that not a ton of people listen to this podcast. But if you do, I really do appreciate it. Um, If you want to support this podcast in any ways, um, if you can just go ahead and... um, just like follow me on Twitter or follow me on uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Uh, post a comment what you want me to talk about next. If there's some like movie recommendations or some different things, I'll mention you on the podcast and we'll do a recommendation thing. Uh, I do also have a Patreon if you want to support me in that way. Uh, but I don't really, I don't, I don't know. like, I don't really post anything on Patreon yet. So uh, one of these days, I'll maybe hope to uh, build a community, but it's there for now. Um, if you want to support, uh, but really I just want more fan interaction. I want people to tell me what they're thinking and what they think about the podcast. And that way I can better grow and create this community. Uh, cause ultimately I want to grow and create like a really nice community. Um, I subscribe to, uh, Rob has a podcast Patreon and what I'm liking about it so far is how community focused it is and how Rob is like super open with like his, uh, his patrons. And, uh, maybe that's kind of a goal I have in the lofty future, 
But for right now, I just got to realize that, like, I kind of realized that, look, I just want, like, to start off small and try to figure out what people what people want from this podcast. And I think I have it for now because, like, this is very much, uh, uh, I think, I think I have an idea of what I want this to be now. But uh, hopefully, hopefully you kind of help support me in this journey. Anyway, again, my name is David Shire and that's how it's going so far.